and welcome to Read This, Read That. I am Jackie Reed. I'm Joy Ann Reed. I just dropped my laptop. <laughs> because, you know, because of course I dropped my laptop. Oh my God. If you all knew just like what happened. The whole backstory behind this podcast is its own podcast. It's a whole other podcast. It's the backstory to the podcast. It's also a podcast. There's <laughs> a podcast within a podcast. It's very meta. You. We could do a whole, like, there could be like a whole reality show on behind the scenes. Behind the podcast. <laughs> we t- It needs to be. We need they need to send television crews to both both wherever we are because right now I'm in Harlem, you're in Jersey. They could just have just have them follow us. The whole backstory to the podcast is also a podcast. It would just be something. I mean, last time when I was in Atlanta, trying to set up my sister's iPad and it was falling. And it was could- falling, and the dogs is like right off site, being like. Girl. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! And normally, you know, when I'm doing the podcast in in Maryland, Nala is literally right at my feet, and I'm just like, if this dog can get through an hour without barking, crying, or you know, hurting the cat, <laughs> <laughs> it's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> so okay, so what is your wind down? My wind down is, and I think we talked about this last week. So we did our little self-care. We did our self-care conversation last week. And my wind down is that I have implemented the first uh, step to my self-care regimen, which is going to start Halloween weekend, Okay, is that I'm going to take advantage. And this was Jason's idea. I got to give Jason credit for it. He's the first one who gave, you've said it before as well. That I'm going to start doing, you know, when we launched the when we launched the readout, you know, I was doing it from my basement. And then I went back into the studio because, you know, I I believe in people working, you know, and I want to make sure that the crew can come in and they can be a part of it and that, you know, they can also work and get hours. So I've been going into the studio every day. But starting on the Friday of Halloween, I'm going to be back in the basement on Fridays. I have cleared it that it will not impact the crew's hours. And I am going to my first self-care is going to be I'm going to have a three and a half day weekend because I am going to be working from home on Fridays fully from home. I already do all the meetings and everything from home, but I'm not going to I'm not going to go into the studio. I'm going to try to get back in my basement and, you know, live my best life now. And I, and I and I think, you know, that conversation we had last week, I thought was very good because we really have to start putting self first. It's just important for mental we, health and physical health. We really have to. I mean, now you can have your slippers on, you know, have your chai tea right next to you and your favorite mug. I got my chai right here. I'm going to have it ready. And then literally walk right over to the bar and get a cocktail at 801. <laughs> Be like, good night, readout. Listen, we, we have, I mean, because we think so much, you know, because of how we've come up in this business that we just have to kind of abide by the rules that are in place. But sometimes there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, for the sake of self-care, let me do this. And COVID showed us what we're yep. capable of doing in this business from home, right? Yep. Very well. So now we know you can do the readout from home. So what's the problem in saying, you know what I mean? On Fridays, I'm going to do that. From, we have to lean into self-care. We have to think about the possibilities. Maybe they'll say no, but probably they're going to say yes, because it doesn't make sense for them to say no. Exactly. Four days a week. 
<clears throat> you know, it just makes sense. It just makes sense. So I'm excited. I'm excited. This is going to be, and you know, I've also launched uh, what my, my hair and makeup team, uh, Janice and Coco have labeled November. So <laughs> November is going to be, can you, can you host a thing? No. Can you go to, to, you know, my, my bar mitzvah and speak? No. <laughs> it's going to be a whole lot of no in November. So I'm going to try to implement November in addition. I I know you do because the face you're making right now is that you don't believe I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I already have something scheduled for November 8th, <laughs> November 7th, 8th, and 12th. So I actually have a bunch of stuff scheduled in November. So it's not going to be fully in November, but I'm going to do my best. <laughs> forward. It moving is moving forward. Right. I love this for you because you have a problem with the word no. I do. Hate saying no to people. You yep. want to make everybody happy. Yep. You know, this is one of the things that I love about you. I actually benefit <laughs> from this part of you. <laughs> but I also try not to take advantage of it. I also yep. really, really try to, I, I always say to myself, if I ask her to do this, she's going to say yes. <laughs> Can I even introduce this? <laughs> I really have to think it through before I ask you for anything. And I always say to you, if you don't want, like, okay, I never, you do. I'm always like, if you don't want to do it, say <laughs> no. But you know, you you'll be like, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> and you're juggling, you know, balls and stirring a pot of stew with your toe. <laughs> and then right before I have to do it, Sean, my sister, I, I she's like, hey, it's time to do the thing, and I'm like, please. <laughs> That is the thing. It is like you the regret. But then the regret sets in. Like yes. when, when that when you wake up on that Wednesday and you've got five things to do before you even do your show, it's like why Yeah. So saying no is is a powerful thing. You it have, is powerful. It's hard for you though. It, it, it I've is. never seen anything like it. I've never seen I I have a lot of friends that are pleasers. I've never seen anything. <laughs> Who, who has the level of, you know, work that you have. The intent, it's not just that you work every day. You work 24-7. <laughs> the nature of your job. It's nonstop. Yeah. It's not a start when you sit in that host chair. Yeah. It is the people that you have to talk to, the research that you have to do, and all that kind of, like, your job is nonstop anyway. So the intensity of that, and then add to that, you know, Joanne, can you write a forward for my book? That's can I tell you, I would have a forward in every book. I think I would have 40 forwards right now because I get one of these. I get at least one or two a week. And I'm so, some of you, I never even, I don't even know them. I'm like, I don't even know you. Why would I write a forward to you? We aren't even acquainted, but you want a forward. You know how much work it is to write a forward? You have to read the whole rest of the book. Understand the whole, you know, what the book is about. Right. Yeah, you have to read the book before you can write a forward to I just can't write a forward to your book. Somebody asked, somebody asked me to write. I've been asked to write a forward for a couple of books. And both times I see because <laughs> you know how to say because can, can you? I think people just think it's easy to just write a forward for the book. It's, it's actually a lot of work. It's a lot of research. It takes a lot of time. And I was flattered that I was asked, and I did hate to say no, but I knew what I had on my plate at the time. There was no way possible I was going to have the time to really do it the right way and do it justice. Yeah, I've done blurbs for book. I mean, even a blurb, 
I've just written, I've probably written maybe five or six blurbs. Right. You have to read all the books. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you, have to, you have to read them. You can't just write a blurb saying, this book is amazing. You just have to read the book. <laughs> right. I mean, really, especially as a journalist, you don't want to put lie. No, you don't want to lie. And also you want to read book. Right. You can't be like, this is a great book. I and mean, then it's trash. Like, or else, or else you don't know what the book's about. You have no idea. And if somebody asked you, you actually have to read the whole book. You're condoning, you know, the book. By the way, Hitler wasn't that bad of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I did what? <laughs> <laughs> Which can happen, you know. So um, I love November. November. We I love it. Shot girl. I know. It's I, might have, I might have to text you a couple times. <laughs> I, you know, I will gladly. You know, I can just forward people to you and you'll say no. <laughs> I love it. I will be like. Because no. It pains me to have. I regret to inform you. I regret to inform you. She is not available. Thank you for listening. I have my standard. Listen, unfortunately, I will not be able to participate in this. But thank you for thinking of me and keep me in mind next time. I have to tell one day I have to find it and get Brittany Packnett Cunningham to send you the letter. The response she gives, she has the best no response I have ever heard. She, she she told a group of us what it was, and I was like, I need I need something like that. It is so eloquent. It says no in the way that you don't even feel the cut. <laughs> it's like it, it, but it's so well done. It's like I need to have that and just paste that into right. stuff, like, you know. But let's get to your wind down because I know we got a lot of hot topics today, sister. So give me your wind down. We do. Okay. Here here's my dilemma, and I you have I think you've done this, so I, I'm going to need your help. I'm thinking about getting on a plane in January. Okay. I know. It just, okay. <laughs> you're like, no, I'm, no, 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 I know because I know you. And that's the funny thing. People, you all do not understand. Like I'm bad and I'm germaphobic and I'm fearful of, of COVID. I am like, t- I'm at 10. Jackie is on a hundred. <laughs> like our levels of discomfort. Like, Cause I've been on planes now. I've been able to, Jackie ain't doing nothing. We met up in the, in the park. <laughs> me and Jackie, I think it was when Wanjira was there. Me, Jackie, and Wanjira. And when I tell you we were six feet apart in the park, <laughs> and Jackie was not even trying to, she literally walked up and, and, and walked six feet from us and put her blanket down. <laughs> and Wanjira came late and she tried to come up and hug me. I was like, oh. I was like <laughs> back it up. Back it up. Uh uh-uh. it up. We, we, we were six feet apart. We we had a beautiful time. We had a wonderful time, but we sure as hell were six feet apart. <laughs> no playing around. Okay, so you're thinking about getting on a plane. Now, okay, let's first of all, we have to, so in order for you, knowing that for you, this is a big deal, what is it for? Is it for family, work? What is it for? It's for vacation. Okay. It's for okay. a little vacation. Okay. Um, You know, my birthday is the end of the, the end of January. Yeah. So- that time i don't have the exact dates but i know it'll probably be the end of like my birthday or the weekend after okay um and so my boyfriend kind of threw it out there and i was like you know what let me think about this so my my cousin who both flew up to new jersey recently and i hung out with them um are both like listen you can do this you know, the, the air is recirculated in a way that, you know, it, it's just cleaner than you think. You can wear yeah. a mask. You can wear a face shield. Mm-hmm. You can I talk to Dr. Ian about it. He mm-hmm. was like, listen, I'm not a fan of flying. And this was a while when I talked to him yeah. about it. He was like, I wipe down everything. I have yes. a mask. I have a shield. 
<clears throat> he said, I, I take and I, I'm very cautious about what I touch, going to the bathroom, you know, all mm-hmm. that. And so I was like, okay, okay. I think I might do this. I think, I think you should do it. Okay, this is why I think you should do it. Because first of all, you're going to have to break the glass at some point. I right? Know. You have to break the COVID glass. And, and if you're doing it for work, I would be like, don't do it. Right? Because that's yeah. not, it, it's not worth it for work. Yeah, the risk, right? But if you're doing it for family or for vacation, I would say do it. And I will say this, the air, some of the, you have to, first of all, you have to pick the right airline. Delta Airlines, I think is very good. I only really fly Delta Airlines, both for the miles because I'm, I, you know, miles hole a little bit. I like to have all the miles because you can use them and you can get a lot of free stuff. Yeah. Uh, but Delta and American Airlines are both very good in terms of they have a very strict vaccination policy for their staff. Okay. Don't fly Southwest because Southwest, they're real weird with loose, loose on what they let their staff do. So I would research how strict is the airline in terms of do they make sure that they do they force their staffers to be vaccinated? Yeah. That's important, right? So Delta Airlines and American, I think you're good there. I don't know about United. And then the second thing is, do they have like really aggressive like cleanliness policies, right? So Delta Airlines, again, when when you walk in, they hand you that hand sanitizer wipe so that you can wipe down everything. And if yeah. you're sitting in first class, that's where the most egregious people are with the feet on everything, putting the feet, putting the feet on stuff. So don't touch the. I never touch the TV. I I don't even even I will I use a pencil. All that down. I don't touch none of that. Right. Wipe it down. Don't touch it. And you I think if you keep on, when she, I'm gonna wipe everything, everything down. down. And Dr. Vin Gupta, who I really trust on this stuff, he said when he flies, the main thing is don't fly in them little thin hospital masks. Get yeah. your KN95 or an N95 mask. So KN95 or N95 mask, keep it on. Don't take it off to drink and sip and just keep it on. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat really well before I'm not going to eat or drink it. But I'm glad that my boyfriend is going to be sitting next to me because if not, I was going to have to buy the seat next to me and have no one sitting next to me that I don't know. That's right. I don't don't want that. That's just too close. It's just, it's not It's too close. And then when they remember they were doing every other seat, but now all the airlines are back to every seat. So, right. You either want an empty seat next to you or you want somebody, you know, in the seat next to you and just keep your mask on and keep. And if you can get a face shield, remember the face shields that we talked the view shield. Yeah. If you want a shield and a fa- get both, wear both. I am. I'm going to double up on the mask. I'm going to do yep. the face shield. I'm going to do like Naomi. Have my gloves, wipe, wipe down. it all down. Can have a little rubber gloves. I mean, whatever it, t- it needs to feel secure, but I, I, it's safe. And, and the thing is, is that the um, the airlines, they they have a mission critical reason to have their flights be clean because all they need is for there to be a case of COVID that comes off of one of them airlines. The airlines will shut down again. So they actually are motivated to keep, like hotels are. I've known hotels, like to check into the hotel. Last time I was in New York, I stayed in a hotel and I had to sign a thing saying I'm vaccinated. You just, I had to show them my vaccination card just to check in. They wouldn't even let me check in. So it's like they're the, the hotel, the, the travel industry is very motivated to not let you get sick because <laughs> it's, it, they have a business need, you know? So you're probably safer on a plane or and in a hotel than you are like walking down the street in New York and New Jersey. Well. We'll see. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm not 100 in yet, but I'm getting there. I'm moving. Okay, where are you going? Can you? Well, what's the what's the final destination though? Is it tropical? Like where are we going there? Yes, somewhere warm, a beach. Mexico. Girl, you better go get go to that beach. We went to Cabo. Child, I was in my N95, my N95 mask 
flew all the way to Cabo and felt but quite been safe. Fine, though. You've been around. So, I mean, this will be my first time because, you know, yeah. I was nervous, too. The yeah. first trip we did, me and the daughter went to New Orleans because we had to get a yeah. passport. And when I tell you, people looked like us like we were crazy. We had our little rubber glove. We had N95, the one you put over your head with the little tape, the thing that goes over your everything. We didn't care. No, I don't care. I don't care what people think. I'm going to be protected. I just got to wrap my head around it. But I, I started to entertain it because when my, when my sister and my cousin came here, I did more in that weekend than I've done in the past year and a half. Yeah. Going out, doing different things. We ate outside and we did it safely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been very, very careful. Um, I even went to a Giants football game. Look at that. Girl, you, been to a, you are much safer on a plane than you are in a Giants football game. <laughs> For sure. You know, but I sat in a in a in a suite though. I wasn't like in a. You weren't just out with all the people yelling because I mean, people yelling and emoting. That's what's unsafe. Is people like that's why that's why church is unsafe because people are, are singing and emoting and droplets are coming out. You know. But we were inside and we were socially distanced. Like I wasn't next to anybody, okay. um, so it was really a a, a safe space that we were in. At or I would not have gone. Like we went. Yeah you know, early. So we didn't have to be in line with people. Yeah. So, it, you, But doing those things and going down to Atlanta, even though I drove and just, you know, going to this restaurant, sitting outside, like I've been getting out a, a lot more than I have. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I will. And my boyfriend was like, you know, just want you to think about this. Maybe it's time. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. It's, it's a good cause. It's a getaway. It, you, you will be so happy when you get there, especially if do it like we did it in Cabo, girl. Rent a house. Don't go in a hotel. Yeah. The yeah. key is have your own rented house where you have a chef come in and you're controlling your who's around you. The right. worst thing to do is, you know, don't if you're if you're very nervous about COVID and traveling, the worst thing to do is go stay in a hotel. Just go stay rent a house. Yeah. Rent a whole house with its own pool and all the amenities and everything that you want. Bring the chef and everybody in to you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel really good about where we're going and the safety of that, but it's the travel situation. Um, but I think I'll, I'm leaning in that direction. So we'll see. I'll keep you posted. Keep me posted. I love this for you. January. January. It's going to be, it's freedom January. <laughs> COVID freedom January. <laughs> COVID free, Operation COVID freedom. Operation COVID freedom. I think you need to totally do it. Especially since January is going to be a stressful month. You know, yeah. by the end of January, you're going to want to do it. Because remember, it's the one sixth anniversary. The MLK, this MLK day is probably going to be insane because, you know, the, the, the Nazis are all just they're feel, they're feeling pumped up in, in this in this era. Yeah. Um, so God knows what they're going to do around MLK. It's just going to be a stressful month. So I think you should. It's a good thing. All right. Well, let's let's take a break and then let's talk about some hot topics. Yes. When we come right back. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. 
to syndicated broadcast personalities Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. So first hot topic up, Joanne. Okay. How do you feel, honest opinion, not that you would give me anything else, about (laughs) taking the booster and about taking the boost, about mixing, you know, if if you took Pfizer, taking the Moderna booster or Johnson & Johnson, taking the Pfizer, if you took Johnson & Johnson, taking the So they're saying, the CDC is now saying you can mix mix, vaccines and they're also you should take it with the flu shot. I have to tell you, I'm against both of those things. Just mm-hmm. I, listen, I know that the science is out there. I I feel funny about mixing it. I feel it's too soon to just do that, even though there are a lot of doctors I heard that have been doing this for a while, like yeah. record. And then the flu shot, I was already hesitant to take anyway, but I'm not taking it the same same day as that booster or probably within the same month. I'm going to space that out. I just don't want yeah. all those chemicals in my body at the same time, especially since that second vaccine for COVID made me so sick. Yeah. So and well, so, okay. So did you do Pfizer or Moderna? I did Moderna. Okay. So I did Pfizer. So I will tell you, I have already gotten my booster. Okay. Um, the Jason and I both got our boosters. Hmm. Just one shot. You don't have to take two shots. It's just one shot. So basically, so, so now, so now we have three shots, and you know we have three shots. I feel like completely invincible. By the way, I'm so I'm a little um, disappointed that I didn't turn into a magnet like the crazy people have said. These will turn into a magnet. It's supposed to get powers. I, I'm really waiting for my powers to kick in. No, no, I've had my booster. I had no reaction to any of the shots. So I didn't have a reaction to first shot, second shot, or the third shot. No reaction whatsoever. And I am for the boosters. And here's the reason why. What what we have learned about these shots is that <clears throat> the, the the original COVID shots that we took, the Pfizer or the Moderna, is that they're definitely efficacious and keep you from being hospitalized from COVID, uh, you know, 70, 80, 90 percent. That's great. But over time, that immunity starts to slightly wane and it gets down into the 60s. So I don't even want to six. I don't even want to be in the 60s. I want to be back up in the 90s. So that's why I was very much for taking the booster. Now, I had the option 
because I did it through CVS. My original one, you, you know, you remember the whole story. We had to go, girl, we had to go, we went to this church <laughs> and it was real hard to get it because we had to wait till the media, you know, had our turn. And it took forever. And I was like, give me my shots. I really, I was like hunting, trying to get the shots. And it was very hard to get it. But finally we got it. But this time I just went on the CVS app and I, I was able to get, get it at CVS. They offered me the booster plus the flu shot. And I didn't take it. Why? I'm with you on that because something about mixing the flu shot with it <laughs> made me nervous. Right? I was like, um, I just want to take just this shot and then I'll wait and then I'll think about the flu shot. Because I normally don't get a flu shot. I almost, I never, I've only gotten a flu shot once in my whole life. And that was only because I was in the hospital and they wouldn't let me leave unless I got the flu shot. They're like, you have to have it. Yeah. But, um, I, I, so I normally don't get a flu shot. Now the doctors who are saying, get the flu shot, they're saying, because what you don't want is to catch the flu and think you have COVID. And then you end up in the ER thinking you have COVID. And then that's just one more person in the ER. It could create a bottleneck and you really don't have COVID. You just have the flu. So that's one of the reasons they're saying just get the flu shot this year so you don't mistakenly think you have COVID. But I, I'm pretty sure I'm good. <laughs> I think I'm all right. I might get the flu shot. I might get the flu shot, but I'm going to think about that. But I'm with you. I don't want to make. Now, on the mixing, I've heard the mixing is fine because both Pfizer and, and um, Moderna are mRNA. They're similarly structured. So I don't, I've heard from doctors that it's fine to mix them. And I think if, you, if I had had Johnson & Johnson... I would 100% want me a Moderna or a Pfizer booster. Yeah. If I was a J&J girl, I would 100% want my booster to be an mRNA. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, from, I'm for the mixing. Did you, now, did you mix your Pfizer with Moderna or did you get a Pfizer booster? When, you, when I went on there, they asked what you had before uh-huh. and they just gave you what you had before. See, I think that that should be the way it is. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a little nervous about mixing because yeah. it's like they say it's okay now and then then you, you know. find out later. Yeah. I just think, look, the, the bottom line is if you have gotten vaccinated, you have already done, you have already done your job. You have done your work. And, and I think that, you know, I'm not for, I am much more in favor of the United States exporting all of these extra shots that these fools don't want to take and sending them to Jamaica and Nigeria and South Africa and places where they actually need them. than using up all of our third shots on boosters. I think it would, it would actually be better for the world if we sent those shots abroad. But if if they're doing boosters, I'm, I was like, if they're doing boosters, I'm getting my booster. Because there was a great article in the Atlantic about all this and when you need to take a booster and whether or not you need to take a booster. One doctor was quoted as saying, the bigger issue is, if you've been fully vaccinated, right? The bigger issue is not whether or not you take a booster, it is the unvaccinated people who Around you. are still the bigger issue. They said, because it might be smart instead of taking this booster to wait a little while until they create, because they said that the boosters that are, that are on the market now are for, are, are for the same uh, variants, you know, compromised. And, right. not, but, but does, is not going to, they said we should wait for a booster that, will attack multiple variants or the newer, the Delta variants and things like that, that have really been making so many people very, very sick. Yeah, that's true. And then Colin Powell dying, you know, COVID, but he had cancer. And I think people are using that for, you know, anti-vax and stuff. I really hate that. So next topic up, let's talk about your girl, Condoleezza Rice. on you. Lord, what the, what? you know, she's been in, in my opinion, you know, you run in different political circles or I, I'm not even in political circles. So I haven't really heard much from her that has offended me 
over the years. You know what I mean? Even though she's yeah. Republican and all those kind of like, even with Trump in office, she seemed to be pretty quiet. She didn't yeah. seem to be out there endorsing what Trump was saying. Or you know. so when I saw her on the View, and I I heard basically through Twitter that she was saying things that were offensive um, to saying people. And then I said, let me go and listen to this interview. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, you know, what in the Clarence Thomas? What the what? For her to say that we need to move on from January 6th um, and the insurrectionist, and then to, to basically say that critical race theory is a problem and that she is thinking that it's being taught to children in schools mm-hmm. and that we need to move on from talking about race and we don't need to have white people feeling guilty. I, I was just like, what? What? Like, what? What, what is she doing? Why is she emerging? You tell me, Joanne, you know better than me. Why is she emerging, you know, and, and endorsing what Mitch McConnell is saying and just moving in that direction with those Republicans? Why is she doing this right now? So, right. And, and I mean, the, the, and I will add to what you're saying. The worst part of what Condoleezza did is that she always uses her history yes. as a wedge to say, this is why I get to say this. Because as folks know, she was friends with the four, you know, she grew up with those same four little girls who were killed in uh, Selma. I mean, in, uh, I'm sorry, in the 16th Street Baptist Church in Alabama. So she knew, she grew up in in Birmingham. She grew up in, in Alabama. She knew those girls. And she uses that part of her biography as a way to kind of mitigate, you know, it's like a preview. She's like, now I knew those four little girls. I'm about to say something really offensive to black people, but let me let you remind you that I knew those little girls. Therefore I get to say these things. So, so I, that bothers me that she always uses her relationship with those girls who died in 16th street Baptist church as a way to like mitigate what she's about to say. That's offensive. Yeah. She did that same thing. Sunny Hostin, our friend Sunny says to her, you can't just move on. The past becomes prologue if you move on from what happened in January 6th. So we can't just move on. And she kept cutting her off saying, no, 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 let me finish, let me finish. And being like, I, I said that January 6th was terrible. I said what happened was terrible. However, I live in California, you know, not in the South. And I need to, you know, I know the people around me care about inflation and they care about other things. They want that to happen too. These are two arguments that don't really go together. You can actually care whether democracy exists and also care about the economy and taxes and other stuff. But the, if if the if democracy doesn't exist in America, none of that other stuff matters. Right. And she should know that because she grew up with those four little girls. Right. Everything she's saying is the opposite. And then the second piece of it, when she ta- starts talking about critical race theory, she literally said we can teach about racism without but what why should we make white kids feel bad we should empower black kids which is typical things that cons- black conservatives by the way always say we need to empower black kids not to feel like victims and not make white kids feel bad first of all the way we teach race uh, the racial history in the united states right now we teach slavery as black history right and all the heroic stuff that happened in history as white history so kid, the black kids already feel bad because all they ever learn is y'all were the slaves yeah. You know, when when teachers do these offensive recreations of slavery, the black kids play the slaves because right. they're just taught that your whole history is slavery. And then all of a sudden, Dr. King popped up out of nowhere, says the one nice thing about white people. And that's it. That's your history. 
Congratulations. Asians get no history. They don't even exist except the Japanese, the Chinese built the railroads and, the, and Japan bombed Hiroshima and then we blew up Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's your history if you're Asian American. If you're, if you're Native American, you get nothing. You get you get, you get pilgrims, right? You get you, y'all fed the pilgrims. Thanks. And we took all your land, but you, we don't tell you that we that the white people like killed ninety percent of y'all through disease and through war. So, so right. So white history is, but but slavery is white history. Like slavery is actually a history of white people because they're the ones who created the idea of whiteness, created the idea of hereditary slavery, created the idea of breeding human beings like cattle. It's called chattel slavery because they bred them like cattle. That's white history. That's what they did to black people. So you're saying it would make them feel sad if they had to learn that their ancestors did that? Oh, I'm sorry. Because black kids have to live with racism. (laughs) Black kids have to live with racism, getting called the N-word in school by other white kids who don't get in trouble. So, you know, get over it. Grow up. Um, so yeah, I thought what she did was terrible. But why, but as to why she's doing it, yeah. I think what's happening is that there are there's a set of black conservatives who are looking forward to either a retaking of the Republican Party by traditional conservatives. They think in the post-Trump era there's a way to retake the Republican Party back to the Reagan era type of conservatism, or there's some talk out there in the world about a third, a new party forming, a new conservative party if they can't get the MAGAs out of the Republican Party and they can't outdo, they can't push them out. So I think she's trying to poke her head up because she wants to be prominent in this new conservative movement that they think is going to somehow push the, the MAGA people to the to the side. Yeah, I mean, prominent for what? You think she wants to run for office or what's going on? I don't think she wants to run for office, uh, maybe necessarily, but I think if... If conservatives were, were able to somehow either create a third party, which, again, they've talked about. Yeah. She wants to be prominent in that. She wants to be um, influential in whatever that movement is that you've seen a bunch of these conservatives like the never Trumpers. It's, they don't they don't ultimately want to stay in the Democratic Party. They want something new that's conservative. And I, I think that some of these conservatives are poking their head up to see if they test the waters to see if they could be prominent in that, whether it's running for president. I mean, Liz Cheney don't run for president. Like, I think she's a, the, probably the head of that movement. The Adam Kinzingers, they are still conservatives. They're against voting rights. They're against, you know, helping the poor. They're still right wingers. They yeah. just hate Trump and Trumpism. Yeah. Well, here, he, he, they're the lesser of two evils. Here's, I, my problem with Condoleezza on The View, first and foremost, is that I feel like the hosts were too nice to her because she has that secretary you know, because she was who she was, right, in the Bush administration. And so there's that respect. That, you know, even if she were on your show, I think you would feel compelled to give her a certain amount of respect. But I feel like because she came to play and she was interrupting people and really trying to dominate the conversation around critical race theory and the insurrection and all the the way that she came to the show, Mm -hmm. love should have come off. I feel like Sonny was trying to push back. She kept cutting Sonny off. Cutting her off. They were all being so respectful of her. And it probably has to do a lot with these recent complaints from Megan McCain as well, that she was bullied on the show and all that. First of all, can we just talk about that? For, can we just put a pin in that for a second? Yeah. The bully on the show, the person who made everybody else's lives unhappy and miserable. You can see it on the air that she was bullying her co-hosts. And oh, then she she's going to cry victim and say she was putting in. You know what? The, you know what a bad work environment is when you have a co-host who's rude disrespectful whoopi goldberg is a goa is a goat 
She's got all the awards you could possibly think of. She's won every single available award for her for her work. And she's also twice your age. And you're treating her like she's a kid. Like she's the help. Like, like she's the help. Speaking to her in that rude way. Joy, who is also much older than you, have some damn respect. She has had a long career in the business. And you disrespecting her. She's your elder. This girl had no respect for her, for them as coworkers, as women, as sisters, she had no respect for anybody. And then she's like, "They bullied me." I Come on believe, now. But it was typical. It was typical, you know, white girl victim uh, kind of thing. I wasn't surprised at it at all. But my second point, back to Condoleezza, is you know she talked about that white kids should not be made to feel guilty, and white children should not be made to feel guilty. Here's the thing. On here's my my perspective on that. Listen. No, you shouldn't feel, white people should not feel guilty about slavery. What you should feel guilty about is the present day systemic racism that exists because of slavery and your inability to try to do anything about it, to just exist on the privilege that came from slavery and you're not doing anything about it today to overcorrect it. What are you doing to make it different? You're you, like, like racism and systemic racism doesn't exist. But, it, but, but sis, that is why they're fighting critical race theory. Right. It isn't because they think white kids self-esteem is going to be hurt by finding out the founders were not were not, you know, princes, that they were bad people, that that's going to make them feel bad about themselves. That's bullshit. The reason that they want people not to, quote unquote, feel guilty is what you just said. They don't want our society to do anything about the systemic racism and they don't want white people to feel responsible to correct the systemic racism because they still want to enjoy the privileges and they want to enjoy them without feeling bad about it. And Democrats have to do a better job of getting control, getting control of this narrative They right off the bat. They should have even called this critical race theory because it's not what's being taught in schools. That's something on a higher level, usually in law school. Like I, I, it makes me wonder if Condoleezza Rice even understands what critical race theory is. And I know that she probably does, but she's just taking control. She's taking advantage. She's manipulating yeah. what it is. She's on a Candace Owen. Yeah, she's doing what Candace Owen does. Owens does. Mm-hmm. So, you know, oh. It just made it's me sad. Mad. And then, there's all, you know, Dr. King talked about the fact that there are always going to be what he used to call Negroes that are going to play for the other side. And that's always been the case. There's always going to be, you know, you know, there's a reason that, you know, um, Harriet Tubman had to shoot some folks <laughs> because somebody was always going to tell. What was Samuel Jackson's character in Django? Steven, Steven and Django and Shane. There's always going to be somebody that's going to Harriet used to shoot him. Girl. <laughs> the same. Her and Clarence Thomas is just like and the Candace Owens of the world. It's just it's sad. It's sad. But I, but I think some some black people feel like they can carve out a space of power for themselves within white supremacy. And they're willing to do that because they're saying I, me, myself can carve out a space of power and privilege for me. And, that, and they're not so much concerned about what happens to the broader black community. There's like, but I can carve out something for myself within white supremacy. And so unfortunately, some people are willing to do that. But I feel like a lot of those people look in the mirror and they don't like what they see. They don't like being black. So they don't want to be associated with black people. They want to be above that. They want to see. I'm not black. I'm OJ. (laughs) That's part of what it is. I think that, you know, I don't know what happened to them as children. I don't know if Condoleezza, I, I don't know this for a fact, you know, looked and saw how black people were being treated. And she was like, I don't want to be that. 
You know, it's like Dave Chappelle in that uh, <laughs> in that skit that he does, you know, when he's the white, the the white supremacist who's a black man. But he's, but he's a he's a Klansman. White power. White power. It's some I think there's some self-hate mix, mixed in, but that's just my little. But thing. also I think it's just a lust for power. Look, look, look what Republicans are willing to do for power. They know they hate Donald Trump. They don't just they they, they don't respect him. They don't like him. They hate him. But they're like, if he's the vehicle for us to get power, we will roll with him and ride with him. And I think there are black people who look at some of those white supremacists and they may not like it, but they're like, if this is how I got to get mine. I'm going to go ahead and do it. That's bad. All right. We got a great guest coming up. Witherspoon, our honorary cousin, is in the house with his wonderful cup. I love whoop, it. Whoop. C is for Chris. C is for cuteness. C is for charming. Come on. C is for charismatic. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's for come through coins. Coin is for coins. Coins. Pop viewer coins. Hello. Before listen, before we get to pop viewers, and you're going to tell us what we should be watching this weekend based on what pop viewers. Let's talk and about the new features and the new features. And new features, yes, and the new features. Baldwin, Yeah, this story is this story is so crazy. Like, I mean, so he was on the set of of a new movie, and yeah. he had, a, according to reports, he fired a prop gun. And this is according, and you update me, you know, based on things have been unfolding throughout the day. He's even spoken on it. Had a prop gun. It had a real bullet in it. He shot and killed a woman accidentally, um, and then injured. I think the director of the film. She shot was- the cinematographer. Yes. The director of photography, he shot and killed. And then I think the actual director. The actual director. He's wounded. Shot, in the, like he's, he's he shot in the collarbone. The actual director mm. in the collarbone. What they happened, Chris? Yeah, how I mean, did listen, he, they were, they were, they were, yes, they were in Santa Fe, New Mexico, filming this movie called Rust. And the movie Rust is about a 13-year-old boy who accidentally kills a local rancher and goes on the run with Alec Baldwin's character. So it's just the whole accidental killing of it all. It's bizarre that that is even happening. But they were on this this set in Santa Fe, New Mexico. As you said, Alec Baldwin accidentally fired off a round from this prop gun. And as of right now, Jackie, they don't know if this prop gun had blanks or live rounds. It has to be live rounds because don't nobody die from blanks, I don't think. Well, wait, wait a minute. Didn't this is what I don't understand. Yes. Because yes. when Brandon Lee, you remember back in the day, yes. Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee's son, died in a very similar way. He was playing with a quote unquote prop gun on the set of I think a Batman movie. He put a gun, he put the gun to his head, fired it, and supposedly they said it had blanks. My understanding is a gun is a gun. It either has live rounds in it or blanks in it. The two, uh, you know, fake bullets can't fit in a real gun. How can you possibly have a, a gun with live rounds on it on a set after what happened to Brandon Lee? I thought that was no. And that, was, and that movie was called The Crow back in nineteen ninety. Yes, I remember that because he was he was like like the next he was going to be like Keanu Reeves in many ways. Brandon Lee was kind of yes. to be that. But I'll tell you one thing also that's very bizarre to me. Alec Baldwin, 63 years old. He is not new to this. He's been doing this for a very long time. You don't point a gun. Like no. in my mind, I want to know the backstory because to me, it's like, 
Was he playing? Was he joking? Right. His gun at the cinematographer. And he probably thought that they were blanks, but it's like, you're old you, enough to know you don't do that. You, you don't, don't point a gun at anybody. Yeah. Yes. Nobody. And the thing is, the reality is, and anybody who's ever handled a gun or been around guns understands, you don't point a gun at anybody, period, unless you are pointing a gun at somebody. There is never a reason to point a gun at somebody that you don't intend to use to shoot them. And they so were, why would you play I don't that think, I don't think that they were even filming. I think that they were like on the set you know, I don't know how loose the set was, how, how how casual the set was. But I also feel like when you're someone like Alec Baldwin, the rules of look and don't touch don't apply to you. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to say the man is guilty of anything. But what I am saying is that I think when you get to be the level of who he is and you're on these sets, you're almost like a god. He was a producer on this. He's not just starring it. He's producing it. He also wrote the story. So there was a screenplay, but he wrote the story for the film. So he was highly involved. And it's like, again, you are 63, my friend. You know how to act on a set and you don't pick up these weapons playing around. And as of right now, from what I understand, the prosecutor in Santa Fe has not ruled out charging Alec Baldwin with criminal charges. He's not in the clear yet. Hence, he's been apologizing. But Chris, when we talked about this earlier, one thing that you said that I thought was really spot on is, you know, you, we, we really need to know, like, what were the circumstances that led up to it? Why was he holding this gun? Were they filming? Were they rehearsing? Stuff? Like what? Like you and you were saying, I really want to know those details. And I do, too. You know, and was it one shot? Did, was it one bullet that injured two people or did he fire more than one round? Because if two people got injured, that means he either shot twice or one bullet injured two people. Right. Uh, see, we yeah. don't know. We d- those don't people. know. And I'm yeah, also curious. I'm also curious his state. I mean, Alec Baldwin, let's be clear. He's been known for kind of being erratic. Um, not following rules, bucking authority, acting crazy, having these little attacks or or like almost like Anger. temper tantrums. So I'm I'm curious to know what was going on behind the scenes. Was was this a fit of rage? Was he mad? Was he throwing things, knocking things over? Was he maybe under the influence? All those things we still don't know yet. But he has put out a statement. He tweeted this out. He said, I'm fully cooperating with the police investigation to address how this tragedy occurred. And I am in touch with her husband. That Mm -hmm. is Ayla Hutchins, the 42 year old director of photography who was killed, their son and all who knew and loved Taylor. And that's the other sad part. It's like mama's at work. She got a son and a husband. And it's like, Mm. you shouldn't be dying on set. You should not. There was just a huge strike near damn near strike or I think they actually started on strike. And one of the issues, because Yvette Nicole Brown was very much involved in this, she was on with Tiffany Cross last weekend, you know, supporting them with one of the union heads. One of the issues was safety on these sets and whether the sets are safe, safe from covid, safe in general. And the idea that in 2021. There are live rounds available. I don't care what kind of fit of rage. There should not be live rounds available on a movie set in 2021. Again, the Brandon Lee thing was supposed to have changed the way the industry operates. There should not be live rounds. That's why it's so it's so confusing. You know, to your point, Joanne, you know, you look at what happened with Brandon Lee. These sets, I would imagine people handling handling these props are so careful. Where would a live round even only the prop people to touch the props? Why would that even exist? Why would there even be a live round? And so to Chris's point, I'm just like, I need the backstory. I call Columbo, Matlock, all of them. Angela Lansbury, get her on the phone. And you know, you know, I know I'm kind of fast forwarding, but I saw this other movie, The Heart of They Fall. 
two weeks ago. It is now playing in theaters. It is a black western. Cannot wait. Brilliant. It's amazing. But you, even when you watch that movie, I kept thinking, how do they make these action scenes seem so real? Like there's guns everywhere, things blowing up. And I keep, I, I kept thinking the same thing. Luckily, no one was injured on that set. But right. when you watch these Westerns in particular, where they're really trying to make these live action sequences, they're each trying to up the game. You know, every movie has to be better, more real, more vibrant. You're putting people's lives at risk. You know but, what I mean? But the point is, to, you know, these people, the professionals that are handling these props and, you know, not the actors, but the, the crews that are in place, they're so well trained. Like, how does this happen again? They're not, you know, when when Idris Elba, I can't wait to see the heart. I cannot wait to see the heart. Please go see it in theaters if you can. It does not come out to uh, Netflix for two more weeks. But this movie, I promise you, you have seen nothing like it in terms of a black Western. It is, it is like something that I feel generations of black folks have been waiting to see. It's that it's kind of historic moment. I can't wait. But let me just, yes, but, but let me yeah. <laughs> to, to my point, these people, it's not like you guns on a movie set, right? Prop guns or guns being used is anything new. No one that's involved in a Western or a James Bond movie or any kind of action movie uh, afraid mm -hmm. of getting shot because there, there should not be live rounds. These yeah. are people that are trained to make it look like. That's right. That's a question, Jackie. I'm like, you know, I didn't play with guns growing up. Can blanks kill someone? No, blanks are just a shell with nothing in them, right? There's supposed to be nothing. And I asked the, the gun trainer that I personally know, I asked, how could this possibly happen? And his answer was because somebody is an idiot. Because fake rounds, the blanks rounds, shouldn't yeah. be able to go in a real gun. There is a prop gun and there's a real gun. They're two different okay. kinds of things. And it's sound effects that makes the gun fire. It's a sound. Real. It doesn't do anything. It's sound effects that are put. So you got to remember actors, just like they have coordinated fight scenes and things like that. They're they're acting. They're not. And also the the guns that, that they use, a lot of them, the, the, the they're in post. They're making that sound. Yes. The gun is going bang. It is. It's not right. like blanks are in there that could hurt them. They are firing and they know they're firing fake guns. I'm right. telling you. There is this doesn't make sense. Like no. this is almost a situation where like there was somebody off to the side that had a gun or something. Guns, yes. Or somebody yeah. left a gun or somebody who's in the security team. There, you know, intentionally or something. Like I said, yeah. more to this. We don't know. But the question is right, is did somebody who let's say is a security person have a gun? Because somebody had a gun. Okay, <laughs> somebody had a gun. Gun. Also, Not a this is a, this is this is a particular period piece. It's the 1800s Wild Wild West. There's so like an old timey gun. Guns. These ain't no modern guns. Right. Old have. These are these are relics that they're using on this set. So I'm curious with someone trying to really bring in like an antique gun and thinking, oh, it's fine. It's not going to be fired. And Alec just picked it up. Being right. Being the person that he is, privileged, and you know, a boss on set, and was like, "Oh, you know," and, and shot it, not knowing that maybe that that relic right. gun has the power to do what it does. You know? And I think that's true too, because these old guns look well. Those old guns don't look as lethal because they are like no, they, the vintage. They, they are lethal. They are lethal. But but could he have been? rehearsing a scene with the director of photography. Well, why would you shoot it for the director of photography? Oh, no. Could she have been saying, listen, this is what we need you to do in this. Yeah. That could, and, and with the director, could they have been walking through something? And she said, okay, you're going to, I'm going to be so-and-so and you're going to hold the gun and fire it at me. 
It could have been something like that. We just don't know. We don't know. You know what's interesting, and I'm trying to think when this happened before in the history of like movie making. You think about the the 50s and the 60s, all those westerns that were made, and all of them. with lots of it's never really happened. I mean, except never for really happened. Crow, except for, for for Brandon Lee and The Crow, it hasn't happened. And I'm curious also. Can Alec Baldwin rebound from this? I mean, he is busy, booked and blessed because of playing Trump. And also, he's a really talented actor. He does well. Off off camera, he can be a nightmare. Let's just be honest. The receipts are there. But on camera, he's very talented. So I'm curious to see how this plays out. Because bottom line, guilty or innocent, he killed someone, you know, on set. Has happened. You know where this kind of thing has happened? On a matlock. On a murder group. Yes. Yes. How many detective kind of shows have you seen where there was a oh. reset or somebody like that and somebody Father got Downing. Remember the show Father Downing? That's where well, we should go back because we don't know. I mean, I know there have been there have been deaths on movie sets before, but it's yeah, been yeah. more things fell on someone. Yeah. It's been yeah, more accidents. Accident. Been lots of that deaths. happened on the Fast and Furious. Fire. Fast and yeah. Furious, someone died. Oh, yeah, Fast and Furious. Yeah. Crashes, yeah. car crashes. Flames, you know, a flame uh, effect goes wrong. That's real fire. So, I mean, that, that this is the reason that you've had a lot of the, you know, p- props people in labor and people who are in those unions in L.A. walk out because they're like, these sets aren't always safe. Yeah. You know, I hope I hope to fire point, <laughs> I, I hope to your point that if that is the case that the people that, that were on the set, because these sets are very busy places. And there's very a lot of NDAs that are signed, a lot of people that see things happen and that experience situations That's they right. don't talk about. I hope That's that right. if there is a bigger story to this, the yes. people that were there talk about it. If someone was drunk, if people were, you know, being, you know, uh, carefree and whimsical with these guns, they should say, listen, this is this was not okay. Right. All of our lives were in, were in danger. Yes. And this, you know, we have to be more transparent about what's happening, even if there is an NDA being signed. That's right. And even we you have know? to remember too that these are workplaces. And yes, so you shouldn't be like dying at your job. You shouldn't be dying at work. And I mean, I know even in the news business, some of those big cranes, you could mess around and slip and fall, yes. and a big crane spin and hit you in the head. Mm-hmm. People have gotten hurt just even on sets, and so it's like, boy, there are people. It. I've I've heard a story of, of of grown men who are now paralyzed from concerts, from war, from yes. world tours, being a part of crews That's because right. you switch those stages out so quick and there's it's so different. many elements, there's right. pyrotechnics, yep. but because of the, of the NDAs that they sign, they yep. can't talk about it. The union will disband you. You have to go right. and get a wheelchair and keep it moving. And deal with and it. Relax. Remember Michael deal Jackson? Michael Jackson yes. kept burning it yep. and they, that's what started a lot of his drug addiction issues. I mean, yes. he literally got caught on fire. I mean, it's real fire. Some of those, those explosions are real explosions. They're oh. really blowing real things up and, and have burn marks exactly and clearly they're yeah. using real guns <laughs> here's, here's the thing about the nda though here's the thing about the nda that will that that is goes away when there's a police investigation right oh yeah when someone's killed a murderer they're, they're going to have to yeah. talk to police yep. and they're going to get to the bottom of this yeah so there's going to be a full-on investigation so those ndas don't matter now, whether or not you those might, we might need you to fly out, Jackie, because I don't know. Santa Fe police. I don't know how good they are. We might need you on a plane, Miss Jackie. Sorry. <laughs> we, we were just talking about whether we will get her on a plane. Just go on vacation, Chris. You know, wound us all the way back to the top. <laughs> I mean, it is warm in Santa Fe, so that could be. The and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful. Yes. Place. 
Oh now, I'm telling you, I cannot wait to hear the backstory to what Me too. Same. Okay, so let's, All right, let's move on. We let's let's move on. We gotta talk about what to watch. I'm gonna talk about what to watch this weekend and let's start with insecure. Because I know oh that. My God. Okay. I mean, insecure, this is the end of a really beautiful era, but I feel like this show means so many things beyond just being something that rated well and that got lots of love from Emmy voters, et cetera. Like it, it was the birth of this sort of fully realized black young woman on primetime premium cable TV. We never really had this before Insecure. When this, when this show came out about six years ago, it was sort of the young, cool black answer to a sex in the city, you know? So it's phenomenal to see what this show has done. It's phenomenal to see Issa Rae kind of taking this show off the air on her terms. Yeah. Like, I don't think we're going to see anybody die. There's not going to be any kind of a sad sort of like all their lives are ending. We're going to literally walk away from this show as viewers as these women are thriving. And I think about the names that of, of the stars, like Amanda Seals, Yvonne Orji, uh, uh, Natasha um, Rothwell, all these stars that are part of this show now that are working and getting paid good money in Hollywood because Issa Rae dared to create a web series that nobody was trying to, uh, to fund or, or you know, um, finance. But she put it out there. She got the traction. She got the feedback. I'll never forget interviewing her in 2016 in L.A. on the Essence red carpet. Uh, for women in Hollywood, black women in Hollywood. And Issa, the show hadn't come out. It was coming out that summer. But I knew about it because we had covered and featured her on The Griot. And I remember her then, and I ran into her more recently. And she's not changed. She is still, she's still hungry, and she's still in this business for the right reasons. Yeah. Awkward Black Girl. That was the original series. Awkward Black Girl, yes. I love love how bold she is. Um, And Chris, you know this because you probably talked to her you know, yeah. so many times. She is now to talk about the fact that early on she felt compelled to add a white character mm-hmm. to you remember the early days of it. She was told she needed to. She oh, was told yeah. that she needed to do that. But then, you know, she stepped into her own power and she got rid of that character because she felt like that's not necessary for the show to be successful. And look at what it grew to become. Um, yeah. and we've seen that happen so many times in Hollywood, but I'm glad that now she's at a, in a position where she can go on a red carpet and say, I'm rooting for everybody black. Come like, on. Come on. You know what I mean? She seems so empowered now. Yeah. And you look at, you look at, I, I thought it was interesting whenever um, Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murphy were doing the promo for coming to America, this recent coming to America um, sequel, they yeah. talked about how that film, the original film, you got that one white character. Uh, what was his name? Louis, Louis, um, uh, Louis, it's not Louis CK, but the one with the gap in his teeth. Yeah. Who's in the movie. He like works at McDonald's. Right. Studio literally said to Eddie Murphy and Arsenio, we can't green light this unless you put a white character in this movie. Because there was, he's the only white person who really had the major right. speaking line and they had to do it or else he, would, he wouldn't have been in that film were it not for uh, the studio saying that. So listen, I've been to many a pitch meeting recently. Um, Joy, you can testify to this too. <laughs> you pitch these pitches for scripted TV shows. The reality is you are pitching to a room uh, of primarily young white executives. Yes. Um, period. You might get one or two black folks, but the folks that are buying these don't quite yet get that we li- that we can live in a world where, where we don't have white folks that we're friends with or that we're connected to all the time, you know? Yeah. And Issa, t- t- uh, to your point, she had to go back and create We Got Y'all, that whole storyline where We Got Y'all and, you know, the two white characters that were in the first and second season. And after the third season, she's like, no, I'm not doing this no more. I'm, I'm taking them yeah. out. 
And it didn't hurt the show. It actually made mm-hmm. the show, I think, more real of what these women are going through. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Louis, and, you know, we were, and I don't know if you have this experience coming to America. Louis Anderson was. Louis Anderson, that's his thing. Yeah, he was well, I mean, in the movie because a table of white executives from the film studio loved the movie, loved the script, but they were like, I'm sorry, we got to have a white person. Right. We need one. We, we, we can't have all black ass. And the flip side of that is, and Jason Johnson tweeted about this and it became like a whole conversation, is that these same young white executives, they really don't understand how black people operate and live because, you know, they don't understand like how the breadth of the number of black people in our circles in real life. So they'll do a thing like you where there's like the one isolated black lady character and she's there she's got her white husband and she has you know and the only black people that she even knows well they don't exist there aren't any because it's just her or there'll be the one black person in the show but they're so isolated from the rest of the black community that they don't even have like a black mom or a sister or brother or friends and that's not how real black people actually exist and so you wind up with the reverse where they'll take one black character and plop them in this all white world and that's their diversity you know so it's hollywood is still not getting i only recently found out that dear white people showrunner is white <laughs> like dear black yeah, dear white yeah, yeah. He's white. it's like everybody like i, I think uh orange is the new black the also had an all white writing room yeah, they there was not the one black writer yeah and lena, lena wade's show trees on bet which i yeah. love yeah. They got this one, you know, it's 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 about a group of of young twenty something black women that are all friends, mm-hmm. and in the workspace. There's this one white character that reminds me so much of the early days of Insecure, who's okay. just there. To just there. Yeah. Yep. She could go away tomorrow, and you wouldn't miss her. And no shade to that actress, but I feel like. She was just thrown in there. And it's such a great series. If you guys haven't seen 20s, it's right, in- I'm going to start watching it. Yes, I love it. I love so Lena. But yeah. just, yeah, yeah. Lee, this one is so well done. But there's that white girl that's in there that just makes no sense. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like the problem with when we do that, we dilute, we dilute the significance of what it is to be in these black spaces and allow our stories to be uh, shown. And I really feel like the data now that's coming out from shows like Squid Game mm-hmm. on Netflix, people, I think, a- a- around the world like taking deep dives into authentic cultural experiences. Mm. There ain't no white person, black person, Latino on Squid Game, yet it is the number one show on Netflix yeah. for all those demographics. And it's because it's okay for us to dive into the Korean culture and experience the, the nuances of these characters in this world and not see a fake white savior or right. some black character or something. You know what I mean? So they I even put a white person in Wakanda. Remember, there was the one white yes. guy in the Wakanda. It's like, this was a Black Panther. That was Disney's doing. I don't think that was a part of the script that Ryan Coogler wanted to bring to life. I think that was Disney saying, okay, come on, we got to add a little a, a little vanilla up in here because we don't want to like have white audiences come in here and not be able to find one person. Part of, you know? That's the reason, again, and they punish you when you don't do it because Beast. I, I will never get over Beast of No Nation not mm-hmm. getting any nominations. There was not one white character in Beast of No Nation and therefore they were like, well, it's not relatable, I guess, so we just are going to ignore it in the awards year they just ignored it like it didn't exist because it was a, a movie that was authentically just about africans uh, what else should we be watching chris okay okay i'm gonna get to that right now i do so first off thank you so much for all the support for for you guys downloading pop viewers you know we are at a place right now where we're making lots of headway we now have over a hundred thousand shows that have been rated Woo! 
our app. Yes. So thank you. We have new features. We can share your watch list. You can create original watch lists, your favorite horror films, rom-coms, whatever, and share them on Twitter and Facebook and obviously share your reactions. But this weekend, you should go see The Harder They Fall. That is in theaters. Again, I tried talking about it earlier. It is a Black Western. It stars Regina King, Idris Elba, um, Lakeith Stanfield, Delroy Lindo. And basically the whole story is uh, Jonathan Majors is trying to hunt down this man who killed his family. It is Idris Elba, who's released from prison early. And it's basically these two gangs versus each other. But what's so cool about this, you guys, is based on real Black Western characters. So like Nat Love, Stagecoach Mary, Rufus Buck, all these Black Western characters we don't hear about in our school books, we don't learn about them. You can then watch the film and then leave and do your research. And you will realize these people really existed. They were badasses in the West. And a lot of them were former slaves or born slaves who then became gun wielding outlaws fucking shit up. <laughs> that, and by the way, we haven't grown up in Colorado. We didn't even learn this in Colorado. At least a quarter of cowboys were black. And they yes. were and the, and the reason that they were cowboys is because their job as slaves were to wrangle cattle. And so after they finally released Texas enslaved people, Juneteenth. A lot of those people, once they were free, were like, I'm going to take my show on the road. I have a skill, which is rounding up cattle, which is why so many cowboys were black, because they had the same skill that they used in slavery. And they just sold their services to rent to rustle cattle all through places like Colorado and Wyoming. So cowboys were always black and it might be more than a quarter. They say a quarter now, but I think they downplay it. I, I would not be shocked if half of cowboys were black. Oh, and it's crazy how, how Hollywood has whitewashed the Western totally. experience. Regina King said that she did not want to do this film initially, but James Samuels, who's a first time feature director, he is incredible, a black British director, phenomenal. He came to her and she said, listen, when I was a little kid, my mom, growing up in California, my mom loved Westerns, watching Westerns, Bonanza, Gunsmoke. Those shows were napping TV. I would go literally take a nap when those came on, she said. But... When he gave her this script and walked her through, it's very Quentin, T uh, Quentin Tarantino, Pulp Fiction kind of vibes. When he walked her through it, she was like, okay, this is the first time I am saying yes to a Western because you are taking the whole whitewashed Western world and flipping it on its flipping head it. and, and making us badass. So yes, you should watch that. If you can go see the wait. show, wait two weeks, it'll be on Netflix. Also, we got Insecure season three, or season five, dropping on Sunday and Succession, if you guys watch that show. Oh my God. And you finally have diversity. Now, I've watched the first three episodes. Episode two of the new season airs Sunday night. So you can watch Succession and then get your Insecure on. But it's all thanks to Nal Lathan for me. So yeah. Nal Lathan is bringing the much-needed diversity to this show as a high-powered, badass lawyer. I love what about Queens? Have you, it may not be on your list because it came out earlier this week. Hey, listen. Queens on ABC. Okay, for me, this show does so many things right. It is a primetime, soapy, it's, it's, it's a soap opera. It's not meant to be highbrow. It's not, they're not trying to be anything but kind of a ratchet show about is these Is this women. the one with Brandy? Yeah. yeah. Brandy, okay. Eve, Notori Naughton. They were a 90s hip-hop group. So think like Salt and Pepper in the 90s, and they have like one or two hits. They break up. And what I love about this show is they kind of show that like they go through some things. To, to in between the in between of like gigging, working odd jobs, being known but like not that famous, right? And then they come back. You're to like SWV, basically. Boom, SWV, yes. Now, but it's 
To me, the show is so well done because it doesn't try to be like a PC version. Like Brandy's cussing. You know, they're talking the way that I feel like black women in hip hop would talk at a certain age in their 40s. Yes. And they're in their 40s, which I love. Well, that's one of the things I do love about it because it's showing women who are in their like 40s life, but yes. they're still hot and they still got their you know, wigs together and they look and they're like, we can still do this. They still can dip it and do it, as Wendy said. Yes. Wendy yes. said. Yes. <laughs> and and I, I just saw the trailer for this and I'm excited about it. Yes. And the morning show you guys had on Karen Pittman yes. uh, two weeks ago. Was it last week? It was, last, it was two weeks ago. Two weeks okay. ago. Yes. This season, actually, I was like, do I want to watch this show more? It is giving you so many twists and turns with the characters. If you guys have stopped watching it, pick it back up. It is so good. And uh, as, as always, come on, pop viewers and give us reactions. Yes. Okay? We want them. We, okay, I feel like I want to do a reaction to Queens. I'm, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm watch it. I need to put a reaction up. Because that's my era. I mean, it's like basically my era is back. Yes. You love, you're such a hip hop head. Yes. You really are. That's, people don't know that about you, Joy. I'm telling you. Rapper and they don't know. Chris, let me ask you this. Of the four women that make up um, this, this group, right? Oh. On Queens. I'm not familiar with the one Latin girl that's on there. I know Natari, not Eve. I know Brandy. They're all, you know, musicians. Who is this girl? You know, I don't know her backstory. And, you know, going back to Issa Rae and HBO. They made her, but they they wanted it there. I watched that show. I was like, okay, this is ABC, who I love ABC. Don't get me wrong. How you doing, ABC? But again, ABC tries to be everything for everybody. And to me, when I watched this show, I'm like, you know what? This wouldn't have even happened in the 90s. It wouldn't. I'm sorry. SW, all all the black. They're all black. They wouldn't have said, I'm sorry, we're going to bring some Puerto Rican girl to be in in, in our hip hop group because the ladies. You know, when they start, when that's the only time that changed is when Diddy. Me- messing stuff. Remember, he tried to make them, them uh, put together groups. He had the TV like show. Total, oh, no, oh, you're talking about no. oh, making the band, making the like band. making the band and no. making the band. And he would try to do all this like multicultural casting. But the Danity came. But but other than those put together groups like that, yeah, all the groups because these girls knew each other growing up, and so they were from the same neighborhoods. SWV all you know, knew each other from high school. You know, boys to men, same thing. So it's like they wouldn't naturally have this one non-black person in the group. That just never happened. No, and to me, that that's the one part of the okay. show. A little bit off-putting. Jackie, you brought it up. It's something that's like, where are you? Who are you? Who are you? Why? Why are you in here? And also, Notori, Brandy, and E, they have receipts in real life. Correct. topping in the 90s. So this girl, it's like, y'all added this in because the, the executives probably wanted to have not Correct. just black women. You know what Period. Correct. No sense. Guys, can I just say one more thing, really yeah. fast? It's not about this show, but it's a movie that I saw today. It is called King Richard. I saw an early screening of it. It is the Serena Williams and Venus biopic. And I you heard know, this is Oscar, 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 Oscar time for Will Smith. You can get get close, cameraman. <laughs> I started crying in the first like 10 minutes when I wasn't to cry yet. You know when you're watching something and like you're crying from joy and beauty? Yeah. And storytelling, I was like, I literally cried for like most an hour and a half, like a slow cry. Not like the ugly cry, but like literally just yeah. like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. And the relationship that Will Smith, who's playing Richard, has with these daughters and the things he says to them about being champions and manifesting, becoming millionaires and famous when they're living in the ghetto in Compton. Whoo, baby, I was it's good. Because I know so the, the buzz is supposed to be that it's going to come down to Will Smith or Denzel Washington 
Well, because isn't Denzel in a Macbeth remake? It's, it's a Yeah, I think it might come down to him, but that movie to me does not look as, it's like Fences. Fences was a good movie, but right. it wasn't as watchable. I think that that this movie in particular is so watchable, as is The Heart of They Fall and Idris right. Elba and Jonathan Majors. I think it's going to be, we're going to have, you guys get ready, a very Black Oscars, because also Halle Berry is directing and playing this boxer in a movie called Bruised coming to Netflix. Oh. We have Passing with Ruth Nega uh, about, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're going to have probably a record number. And if we don't, I'm a boycott a record number. Of yeah, we either boxers. are or we won't. And we'll be talking about the fact that all yeah. these people were ignored. But, but let me tell you guys, King Richard, it is, it is. Uh, so good. Okay. Is, I've heard this. But Chris, what can we do as audience, as an audience, Chris, what can we do to support these movies and make sure that they are they get the due come award season? Is there anything we can do or is that just left up to Academy members? For example, should we be going to the theater? I think I think in particular, we should go to the theater when we can. Those numbers really do matter. They number did they matter for a number of reasons because they become something else to talk about. But I think we have to also engage on social media and talk about these movies. I think The Harder They Fall is, but hands down, one of the best Western films ever. But right now it has 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. It hasn't been out in theaters, but 45 critics and 43 of them are white men have given this movie a three out of five or a B. So the reality is like that. They feel left out. They feel left out. It's very important. That is why I created pop viewers because we now have this analytics metric system to show the sentiment and excitement around real people. And it's so important when you watch something, don't just passively watch it. You have to go on social media. And if you can go to the picture show and support it. And if things go left this award season, we have to also be collectively outraged because The, the outrage around Issa Rae and what happened with I May Destroy You is really why the research began to happen into who makes up the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And the Golden Globes, as I mentioned to you earlier, won't happen this year. We're not going to have that other award, you know, that major build up to the Oscars. It will just be the Oscars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's big. Chris, as always, it, it is. I mean, you come I'm out to you, ladies. I'm out to you. No, ladies. listen, Chris brings the info. We know. Y'all pop viewers. I'm telling you, get on there. We're just so happy for all the success you have, you know, all the knowledge that you bring about the industry, but also as a business, as an entrepreneur, as a businessman, just the success of pop viewers and what you're doing to change the game. You know, not just a business for you. It's a way to change the landscape of how movies are recognized, you know, industry. And I'm going to put this out there. This is this is the first time I'm saying this ever to anybody. But we are right now in discussions with a major production company to do a talk show that will be powered by the popular sentiment and really bring the viewers into the fold and reveal analytics. Think uh, TRL for TV shows and movies. Hosted by your boy. Love (laughs) this. Love this. Yes. A lot more nuance to it, but we are finally, we have a pilot that we shot. Uh, Lena Waithe was a part of our pilot. Thank you, Lena, for that. Um, and we're shopping it uh, this winter. So. That is awesome. Yeah. Chris, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's gonna be, well, we already know. We've already manifested that. It's going to be huge. I know. It's going to be huge. huge. Everything you touch turns to gold. I was it's trying gold. to earlier. Um, I just want to know, because you're so close with Wendy Williams, how is she doing? I see they extend oh, yeah. hiatus. How is she? I know you talk to her, send our love to her, but how's she, she doing? Do. I mean, this is one of those moments where I feel like none of us really know. Wendy is off the grid. She's not really communicating with 
anyone in her circle too much. People are sending her messages. I've tried. She's not responding. No, I think she's really off the grid. And I mean, to your point, she's pushed the show back. She was supposed to come back this month. Well, the show is supposed to start September 20th. Now she's pushed back to like mid-November. And it really makes you wonder, you know, how can this show go on? Because they've now... They, they kicked off this season. We had guest host Leah Remini, who did a great job. Next week, Whitney Cummings. The week after, Sherry Shepard, who will do the best out of anybody. But it's like, will this show continue? Is this going to be her final season? And also, you guys, to me, it's like the end of an era of daytime talk TV. Ellen's leaving this season. We don't know if Cameron will be, re- uh, be renewed for another season. Nick Cannon, that's not been renewed yet. Um, all these daytime talk shows... There's space right now for Jackie Reed and Joy Reed to have a syndicated daytime talk show. Okay, because it's, it's there's so much room right now. Come on, Hollywood! <laughs> Honestly, and, and I truly believe what Wendy has done. She has solidified herself being a legend. Because you turn on TV right now and you scroll through the morning talkers, it's missing Wendy. The void that she fills. And no one who's trying to guest host can sit and do what she does for 20 minutes. The audience, the viewers are, 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 are revolting. They're angry because it's, it's not just what the producers produce. It is that woman sitting in that chair with 40 years of knowledge and receipts mm-hmm. and walking through hot topics and giving you the ums, the ahs, the lip smacks, putting her lozenger in her, in, in her teeth. Wendy, it's not just the stories. It's Wendy. It's her. Wendy's it's take her. on the stories. And yeah. what she did the night before, what she ate, what she watched, it's yeah. all things. And not that many folks can do that for 20 minutes. That's right. You no? Know? Yeah, it's true. There's only one. But well, do you all think, what do you all think really fast about the future of daytime talk TV? I mean, look, they're trying to mess up the view because they keep trying to find the most unpleasant right winger to put in with those girls. So that's not a pleasant experience to watch. Like, I have to watch it on clips because I love Sunny. And uh, but I have to scroll through it and just get to the parts what I want and I want to see what Whoopi has to say. But you, it's it's hard to watch because they always throw that one person in there who throws the energy off, and that's what they want. So I feel like they're trying to make that show unwatchable, you know. And it's it, it's it's true. I feel like it, if you're gonna choose that kind of TV, you want it to feel like it's like a friend you're you're talking. You know what I mean? And they're they're interviewing. I think Tamron is the best interviewer in Agreed. probably in daytime. Agreed. I mean, her interviews are so riveting. You know, she's the only person who's doing that, like really in-depth interviews with individual people. I think she's doing the best at that. Wendy is the obviously the most fun thing to watch. If you're gonna watch it, you want to just watch her. Just whatever. It don't matter what she's talking about. It's just fun. Exactly. Yeah. But. Nick but it's Cannon. hard to, yeah. It's hard to, outside of that, is there anything else? Have you seen Nick Cannon's new show? I've seen clips and I'm just not drawn to it. No, I've seen it. I, I applaud I'm him fine. for him to do what he's doing. But I feel like not every person who's a celebrity, who's known, who's who's been on camera, needs to do daytime talk TV. Right. Nick is brilliant hosting America's Got Talent and Wildin' Out and all the other things he hosts in primetime. But daytime talks is a very specific sort of beast. You know what I mean? And I think I think he's giving it his all. But viewers, they're not connecting. The authenticity, the, the effortlessness is not there. And like, what's the other lady from American Idol? I watched like a few minutes oh, of that. No, that show also is not it for me. No, it really it. Love it. The ratings for Kelly are through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't move me. Drew Barrymore, her ratings. I mean, she got a, a second season, which I don't understand. I don't no. 
But she won't get a third, I don't think, Jackie. I don't think so. Middle America, you know, it's the middle America. Those are the demographics that a lot of networks care about. But Joanne, you and I were talking about this. Networks are almost a thing of the past. It's what's happening digitally. It's streaming. All the streaming. And look at what's going to be digital. Because if you think about the the only things that I see on social media that are popping is whatever Wendy was saying and The View. The View and is the, always... And the Red hot. Table Tour. The Red Table Tour. And The Red Table Tour. Red table exactly. tour. Like, honestly, Red Table Tour is... is and that's a Facebook show. And that's that a Facebook show. show. More pickup and more bookings all over the place. More conversation yeah. about it. Yes. More people are talking about it. If if, if people yes. at, at work, in beauty shops and barbershops, if you're if people aren't talking about shows... I've never heard anything about Kelly Clark, anything Kelly Clarkson no, said. Kelly Clarkson, me either. Me either. Not a guest. Not a one. Red Table Talk is always in the conversation. Always. Yeah. Always. And The View, I mean, people literally have such strong feelings about it. That's why that show is still going because... It does, whether you love it or hate it, you're creating, it's creating strong feelings. And Wendy creates strong feelings. So true. You know, if you're the not view, creating- I don't know how the view, the view trends. All the, almost every, every day. Every day at 11 a.m. I'm like, how y'all watching TV at 11 a.m.? 11 a.m. Because everybody's home. Everybody's working from home. Okay. And you want to turn okay. off the news for a minute. You yeah. pop over there to see what they're doing because it's always, they're fighting. And yeah. it's a day, so you're used to turning at 11 o'clock, you turn to the view. Okay, We've been doing okay. it for years, twenty something years. You've been tuning into the view, so you know that they're there. I feel like the talk is is in trouble. No, I don't. I don't. I can't tell you the last time I saw anything from the talk that was worth watching, except Sharon Osbourne when she was on getting into a fight with somebody. Getting fight uh, with somebody. Uh, it was it was her and Cheryl Underwood, maybe, yeah. uh, or or somebody a little the while racial ago. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Elaine Walter Ross, she left. Who did? Elaine Welter Ross. She left. Yeah, she left. Yeah, yeah. She no, left. again. I'm saying this to say you all have something magical. You really do. And I've known this for a while. Your listeners know it. You should put together a syndicated talk show pitch because this this is the time. This is the time. I'm serious. Diane has plenty of time to do that, right? Oh, no, I'm sorry. That is true. That no, is remember true. What, what month are we coming to? November. <laughs> but this, remember I said the coin cup for the coins? Okay. The coins. Just know that syndicated talk show money is big money. Y'all can quit all your other jobs. And- <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> well, Chris, this has been fun as usual, and we appreciate it. Um, because maybe we'll have our syndicated future, Jackie Reed, and then we can retire. <laughs> One day a week from a beach. <laughs> and do the show from the beach. Hello. 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 Chris, thank you so much. Honey. All right, ladies. I'm going to leave. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Everybody download Pop Viewers because you yeah, got all the information. Right right we got here. You get it for yourself. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And Miss Jackie Reed. Okay, well, this is it. We're wrapping it up. What are you going to do for you for this weekend? Girl, I'm just going to just do some more research on flying and try to get to the point where it's a definite yes. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to okay. do it. What about you? What are you going to do for you? I'm going to send you some research on flying because I think you need to get on that damn plane. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and we're celebrating. Uh, t- tonight is uh, is Milesy Day, so we're doing a birthday little fun um, today, tonight. So that's what I'm doing. And I'm, I have the night off. So I'm thanking, I'm telling the Lord, thank you. All right, girl. Well, y'all be sure 
um, to tune into the readout Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. and watch Cousin Joanne do her thing, soon to be from home on Fridays in the <laughs> basement edition of the readout. Fabulous. <laughs> we, we love it. And please uh, check out vegansexycool.com or vegansexycool on all social media, all things social media, especially on Instagram. It's a lot of fun. And you will get fashion, you will get food, you will get fabulous. So do it, Vegan Sexy Cool. All right, cousin. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.